Hello everyone, I'm Christopher Tan and welcome to Providence Money Wisdom, an original podcast inspired by my book Money Wisdom, Simple Truths for Financial Wellness. In this podcast, I'll be sharing simple financial truths to guide you in navigating through the minefields of misinformation and false promises in order to achieve financial security and peace of mind. How to invest towards your financial goals So, you have determined the amount needed to fund your retirement and children's education. But you realize that the amount is huge and you cannot reach the target simply by putting your money in the bank. You also realize that if you use endowment policies, you will probably need to set aside a huge amount per year as the returns from insurance may not be sufficient to help you reach your goals as well. So you are now left with one route by investing directly into the financial markets. But unless you are investment savvy, you probably may not be sure how to start. So if you are ready, I will attempt to take you through the process of investing. Just take note that this is just a simple way of understanding how one can approach investing. And I will use Clarence and Vivian Lee, a couple, Nancy, a single lady, and Peter and Mary Tan, another couple, as examples. So example one. Clarence and Vivian Lee, both age 35. Well, they have two objectives. First objective is to retire at age 55 with just, say, $3,000 per month, today's value. The second objective is to send their twins to NUS when they are 21 years old. Both are currently just one year old. Now, the assumed inflation is 3%. The return on investment during retirement, let's assume it as 5%, assumed life expectancy of 80 years old, retirement nest egg needed, 1.28 million, children's education fund needed in 20 years' time, 140,000 per child. So therefore, total funds needed in 20 years' time will be 1.56 million. Projected amount of existing investments, well, what they have already done so far, and let's project the amount in 20 years' time, and let's say is 350000 So the amount needed to be accumulated in 20 years' time will be the $1.56 million that they need minus the 350000 that they have already done. So they are still short of $1.21 million which they need to accumulate. Well, there are available resources today that they can use to accumulate towards this 1.21 million would be 150,000 one-time investment and 15,000 per year to invest. Example two, Nancy, the single lady that is of age 37. Well, her objective is simple, just to retire at age 50 with $2,000 per month total or rather today's value. The assumed inflation is let's say also 3%. The return on investment during retirement is also assumed to be 5%. And let's assume that Nancy's life expectancy is also also 80 years old. Therefore, the retirement as needed would be 796,000. Now, again, we project the amount of existing investments in 13 years' time. 
that worked out to be about two hundred thousand. And so the amount needed to be accumulated in the next thirteen years will be five hundred and ninety-six thousand. Available resources, two hundred thousand one-time investment now, and ten thousand per year to invest. Now example three will be Peter and Mary Tan, both age thirty. They have one objective, which is to retire at age fifty-five with three thousand dollars per month today's value. Again, assume inflation is three percent. Return from investment during retirement is again five percent, and their assumed life expectancy is also eighty years old. So their retirement nest egg needed worked out to be one point four eight four million. The projected amount of existing investments in twenty-five years' time will be five hundred thousand. So therefore, amount needed to be accumulated in twenty-five years' time. Will be the one point four eight four million needed minus five hundred thousand that they would have done in twenty five years time, so the extra amount that they need to accumulate works out to be about nine hundred and eighty four thousand dollars. What they have today is a hundred thousand one time investment that they can make, and ten thousand per year to invest. So these are the examples. Let's take a look at the investment process. To help them get there, well, step number one is this. Now, the first thing that we need is the returns objective, the returns that the Lee and Tan families and Nancy need from their investments, so that they can reach their financial goals. In this case, the Lee family needs about seven point one percent per year. This is based on whatever current resources that they have to invest towards the shortage that they need. So, Nancy needs about five point five percent per year, and the Tan family needs about six percent from their investments to achieve their objectives. Generally speaking, if you need about five to six percent per year returns, you only have to take moderate risk. If you want about seven percent, you will need to take higher amount of risk. In this case, the Lee family's need to take risk is high. Nancy and the Tan families need to take risks. Is then just moderate. So that's step number one, determining the need to take risks. Step number two, next they should know their ability to take risks. Generally, if you have more than ten years of your investment horizon, sufficiently covered by insurance for all sorts of risks. No serious debt issues and sufficient emergency funds for rainy days. Your ability to take risk would be pretty high. In this case, let's just assume that both Nancy and the Lee family have a good ability to take risk. However, for the Tan family, their ability to take risk is low. Step number three. Well, next they need to ask themselves how willing they are to take risk. The financial institutions usually have risk questionnaires for you to find out about your risk tolerance. If you are generally unwilling to suffer a loss in your investments, you are conservative. If you can take, say, about ten to fifteen percent loss in any one year during your investment period, you are moderate. If you can take about twenty to twenty-five percent loss, you are pretty aggressive investor. In this case, let's assume that the Lee family has a high tolerance. Whereas Nancy is moderate, and for the Tan family, they are not very willing to take risks. 
Now, of course, it sounds very simplistic. And well, in this episode, we are just sharing how it can be done. In actual case at Provident, the way we measure a person's willingness to take risks is a lot more complex. Now, let's go to step number four. The next step is really, well, in a way, reconciling their overall risk profile. If their need to take risk is high and they are able to take risk, but for some reasons they are unwilling to do so, they need to make adjustments. In this case, the Lee family needs to take slightly more risk in order to reach their goals, and they are more than comfortable with that. For Nancy, there is a need for her to take moderate risk, and she's also comfortable with that. As for the Tan family, they have a problem. They have a need to take moderate risk as they need a moderate return to fund their retirement goal. However, as they do not have the ability and willingness to take risks, they need to make adjustments. For the Tan family, they probably need to lower their retirement goal or choose to retire at a later age. Let's just assume that they decide to delay their retirement till age 65. They would then require a return of 3.5%. Their overall risk profile becomes conservative. So as a summary, Clarence and Vivian Lee, their overall risk appetite is high. Nancy's overall risk appetite is moderate. Peter and Mary's Tan, or rather Mary Tan's overall risk appetite is conservative. So one is high risk, second moderate, and thirdly moderate risk or rather conservative. So let's now move to step number five. Well, once they have decided on their risk profile, they are ready to create their portfolios. The old adage of never put your eggs in one basket is true. Create a portfolio that invests into equities, bonds, and cash, for example, and in proportions depending on your risk profile. For example, if you are a moderate investor, a portfolio allocating 40 to 45% to bonds and 55 to 60% to equities may be suitable. And within the equities portion, further divided between global equities and emerging markets equities. Now, we have some pie charts presented in the book. So if you're interested to look at it, please do get the book and you can find out more uh, through the pie chart. Okay. Now, as for Nancy, it can be found also in a pie chart in the book, um, which, well, mainly for Nancy, I would say that it would be about 60% equities and 40% bonds. The equities portion, Nancy will have 5% in emerging markets and 55% in global equities. So making it the 60% equities. For the Tan family, you have 60% in bonds because they are more conservative and 40% in global equities. So we are now ready to move to step six. We have now done up their asset location and it is time to enter the markets. The best way to do it is via low-cost instruments such as exchange-traded funds or ETFs in short, index funds or evidence-based investment funds. This is because ETFs and these kind of funds that I've just described allow them to invest into the global markets with great economies of scale. Unless they have a lot of money, it is almost impossible to create an efficient or rather an effective portfolio investing into both equities and bonds globally. 
Another advantage of using ETFs or low-cost index or evidence-based funds is that they do not have to make the daily trading decisions as they are assigning this task to their fund managers. What they must do, however, is select the right fund managers to invest in and in the areas that they have allocated in the previous steps. Step number seven. Well, that's the final step. So they have done it. They have invested and now they can sit back, relax and watch their money grow, right? Fortunately, the answer is no. They now have to regularly rebalance their portfolios if the asset allocation changes due to market movements. They also have to monitor the performance of their portfolios to make sure that the portfolios are behaving as expected. If not, they need to know the reason why. If it is due to wrong exposures to certain markets or the wrong fund managers have been chosen, they need to make the necessary changes. In conclusion, investing is not about buying the best performing funds or ETFs or some star products. It is not just about returns. As you can see, a lot is about managing your risk expectation. Portfolios are then created based on your overall risk profile and you need to watch it closely. Although I have made it sound so easy, in practice, it is more complicated than this. Creating portfolios is as much a science as it is an art. Choosing fund managers or the correct ETFs is not as simple as selecting the best performing manager in its class. There are qualitative factors to be considered as well. In addition, you need to be able to select managers that will help you execute your investment philosophy accurately. My advice really is for you to seek professional help. If you feel that this is too complicated for you or you do not have the necessary resources to do the work, leave it to your wealth advisor so that you can focus on what you do best at home or at work. Thank you for tuning in to Providence Money Wisdom. I will be back soon with the next episode. For more information on my book or Providence services, kindly visit Provident.com. I'll see you the next time. All analysis, views or opinions from interviews, recommendations and other information broadcasted, podcasted or published herein are provided for general information purposes only. Information expressed does not take into account any specific situation, particular needs or objectives and should not be construed as specific advice or a recommendation. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal or tax professional before taking any action. Provident Limited does not accept any liability for any loss whatsoever arising from any use of the information broadcasted, podcasted or published herein. All contents and information contained herein may not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part by any means without prior written consent of Provident Limited.